Hi, welcome to the Birkbeck Futures Ability Podcast. My name is Anna, and I'm a career coach with Birkbeck Futures. And I'm delighted to have as my guest today, Adam Tobias, co-founder of the Inventum Group and the pioneers of inclusion talent, uh, inclusive talent solutions. Uh, Adam's also a very um, keen supporter of the Ability Program here at Birkbeck, and we're really thrilled to have him as our guest today. So, Adam, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Anna. I am um, delighted to, to be able to do this with you. Yeah, uh, so my name is Adam Tobias, um, co-founder of Inventum Group. We, um, as Anna mentioned, uh, help organisations to become more diverse and more inclusive. And within that, there's a big focus around disability. Um, something I'm particularly passionate about, removing barriers to uh, disabled people into the workplace or helping um, disabled uh, workers, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. um, with their um, with their disability and, and really encouraging organisations to tap in. This is, this is beyond the moral and ethical um, uh, focus. I mean, that's obviously mm-hmm. hugely important to us, but, but really we, we're trying to encourage organisations to understand the commercial benefits as well the performance benefits mm. of building a diverse workforce and within that having you know disabled talent um, there's huge potential there's huge ability there's huge um incredible you know capabilities and i think you know educating organizations about that is is really my purpose my focus in in my in my professional life and, and it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about um and, and you know we can start to remove those barriers and 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 you know help you know what we learn at work what people learn at work mm-hmm. they take home with them into society so you know encouraging um, companies to 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 you know hire disabled talent really enables everyone in that workforce to understand more about disability and actually you know hopefully enact a bit of change across society and that sounds like quite a grandiose aim but it's certainly <laughs> where my, my focus is yeah so uh, we know that disability inclusion is something that you are incredibly passionate about. And um, in the Inventum Group was recently highly commended by the Recruitment Industry Disability Initiative. Ha- um, can you share something about your approach to disability inclusion? Absolutely. It, it, you know, there's a lot of fear around uh, disability in the workplace. And that that fear is on both sides of the coin, that being employers fearful Mm -hmm. about employing disabled talent and also disabled talent being fearful of being discriminated against. And and, and I completely understand both. However, we need to reduce that fear and that comes through through education as much as anything else. Um, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding from employers around terms like reasonable adjustment. Mm-hmm. I think they misunderstand the word reasonable. Um, <laughs> and how much adjustment is generally needed for disabled talent. It's a you know, we're talking about a very wide definition here. But actually, uh, if you look at the data, um, the vast majority of disabled people need no adjustment at work. They need a bit of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and some flexibility generally, but very little actual adjustment that costs any money. I mean, it's a tiny percentage uh, of disabled workers who need actually adjustments that cost money. 
Um, mm-hmm. And of that small percentage, only it's, the cost is very, very low. I mean, I think there were some studies to say that the cost is less than £150. And that's not per year. That's across the entire lifetime of that person working in that organization. So, so educating companies about, you know, adjustment and also encouraging disabled talent to disclose their disability. Mm. And I think there's a lot of fear, and I really understand that fear. However, so, so, so I was going to say, organisations can't make adjustments if they mm. don't know that adjustments need to be made. So a lot of people who have a disability um, sometimes feel a bit reluctant about sharing that with a potential employer because of, you know, ne- really negative experiences that they've had in the past. So what advice would you give someone who's feeling unsure about sharing their disability with a potential employer or recruiter? I think um, there's a responsibility on the employer or the recruiter to to put a message out there, to communicate that this is something that's important to them. I think, you know, looking at an organization's career careers page, their, their commitment or approach to diversity in general, I think, um, you know, most organizations now will have some form of statement, and I think you can really read into the authenticity of that statement as well. There are organisations that I would, look, you know, uh, for example, the, uh, the government's disability confidence scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a great scheme, and a lot of organisations are signed up to that. And that really just says they they they're committed to to employing disabled talent. I would look for that little badge on a website. Mm-hmm. Um, if an organisation is disability confident, um, what their aims are, if there's any, if there's any, you know, information about that, I think that's a really great place to start. It is a bit of a catch twenty two. I think, you know, there's a legal, there's a, there's a, there's a, a legal responsibility for organisations to make reasonable adjustments, and mm-hmm. you cannot legally be discriminated against because of your disability. And in fact, quite the opposite. Under the Equalities Act 2010, um, organisations are actually allowed to be to positively discriminate for disabled talent. Unlike any form of any other form of protected characteristic, you are able to hire a disabled person over a non-disabled person mm-hmm. um, because of their disability. So actually, you know, you know, organisations have to be very, very careful about that. I think. Um, it's it's a it's a really difficult question. Disclosure is one of the biggest challenges that we face. Yeah. Um, but I think we're only going to move the you know people need to be brave as well and 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 call out employers if they feel that they're being discriminated against mm. because of their disability. You know there there are there are channels to to share that information. And I appreciate some people don't want to do that, but, but there are a lot of organ. You know most people are good people. You know in my experience, most companies. And certainly larger companies in particular mm. are very, very clear on their approach to disability. And there's a lot more organisations out there that do actually really care and are passionate. You know, we must remember, you know, one in five people of working age in the UK have some form of disability. Um, and often that disability is acquired during their working life. So one in five of us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, you know, so disability touches all of us, you know, either directly or via family or friends. And actually people are pretty responsive in my experience. How important do you think it is, Adam, for um, someone who's disabled to to become the expert in their disability when it comes to job hunting? Yeah, I think that's a challenge, isn't it? You know, we don't want to, you know, it, it, 
yeah, people don't want to be. I certainly, you know, I I have a neurodiversity. I don't want to be defined by my my mm-hmm. diversity. Mm-hmm. And but there is a responsibility at the same token to to change perceptions, to share. You know, activism is quite, a, you know, it can be quite a scary word, if you like. And I don't think it's people's responsibility to be an activist or a poster child for their disability. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, education is really, really important. Letting people know how that their disability uh, uh, impacts their life positively and negatively, you know, or from a challenge perspective. Um, so I think you know, it's important to be able to explain what your needs are and what um, um, why you have those needs but I don't think it's anyone's individual responsibility to say to go around educating everyone about their condition but I think it's really important though if you feel comfortable doing that explaining because that's how we learn and we share Um, and and personal experience and story personal stories are are really powerful ways to get that message across Mm -hmm. Um, what is one common myth about dyslexia that you found that people who are dyslexic can't write well or, or you know, are disorganised. You know, I hear that quite often. And, and actually, it's, it's simply not, not true. There is different communication styles that work potentially better. But, you know, it's very dangerous to, to generalise across any disability. You know, mm-hmm. one person who's dyslexic might have very, very different characteristics, if you like, to another person who's dyslexic. You know, there is not one catch-all kind of, well, that person's not going to be good at this and they're going to be good at that. It's not like that. Um, but but that misconception around communication, you know, I, you know, some of the best speakers I've ever seen are dyslexic. Some of the best writers I've encountered are dyslexic. I think Agatha Christie was dyslexic. You know, didn't stop her <laughs> writing uh, uh, many, Absolutely. many so, so I, I think, you know, that, that is a misconception around that, that they're poor spelling and poor... You know, and, and there are a lot of t- there are some tools out there, and thankfully education is changing as well, and the schooling system is changing as well. In your experience, um, Adam, what one thing do you think needs to happen to make really positive changes embracing diversity? Uh, it's, it, I had this conversation earlier with somebody else. Actually, it, it, it's really really hard, you know, to to say there's you know there's a silver bullet here. Um, Mm -hmm. disclosure is really really important that's you know but at the same token you know so we had gender pay gap reporting okay a couple of years ago there was you know government decided to put uh, put in gender pay gap reporting for any company over 250 people Um, they could only do that because they had the data now one of the challenges that we've got around disability and rightly so in many ways, you know, there's no legal requirement to disclose. However, you sometimes need a bit of a blunt tool like pay gap reporting to highlight the problem. But if you can't, you know, you don't want to force people to disclose if they don't want to, and I completely respect that. But then again, then you're not really forcing organizations to make a change. So it, it's a bit of a, a bit of a catch-22 here. It's a bit of a challenge, a bit of a problem, because, you know, we have to, organisations have to come out and say, well, we have, you know, we are absolutely passionate about about removing barriers to disabled people. This is how many we hire. This is how many we want to hire. This is what our target is. This is what we're going to do. But if they don't have the data, then they can't do that. Mm. So that, that for me, it, it, I don't know the answer uh, yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I think, is, 
that will make a big difference. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, nobody likes it. I don't like the term quota. You know, you want to be hired because you've got great skills. You don't want to be hired because, you know, for tokenism reasons. Um, but, but, but actually, you know, you've got to highlight the inequality that's going on. Mm-hmm. What, um, in your experience, what are some of the barriers that people have found in recruitment processes? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, recruitment, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because often, you know, with recruitment, we tend to rely, or organisations tend to rely, as they have done for many, many, many years, on an interview, mm-hmm. the interview process. Now, in my experience, an interview is brilliant at testing someone's ability to interview, not, not necessarily their ability to do the job. I think, mm-hmm. you know, making adjustments in the, in, the, in the recruitment process is really, really important. Making applications as accessible as possible. I know of an organization who, when they're um, seeking applicants for jobs, say you can apply in any way you like, be that send your CV, um, write and uh, you know a letter if you like, or send a piece of work in, or do a video, or do an audio recording. However you feel comfortable, and I think that's a brilliant way. And I appreciate when you've got large organisations with volumes of of applications, that's quite tough to do. But actually allowing mm. somebody to to apply in the way that makes most sense to them, I think interviews themselves need to be assessing skills and ability to do the job, not mm. this. We talk about, or organisations talk about culture fit. You know, I think that's yeah. a very dangerous term. What does that mean? Does that mean you've got to be like us to, to work here? Mm. Um, yeah. Fitting in. I think, you know, let's let's look at neurodiversity, for example. You know, mm-hmm. in an interview, someone's ability to sit still, make eye contact, you know, develop, you know, you know good communication skills, build rapport. What if the job doesn't require any of those skills and yet that person is still being assessed? If you have an autistic spectrum condition, you might find that really difficult, you know. Um, but actually, if you were given a task, um, then that, the likelihood is, and, and you had the skills to do the job, your your ability to do the job would be demonstrated better by some sort of working interview or a test that, that, that mimics the you know what's required in the job. So I think there needs to be a fundamental change about how we recruit everyone, and that's not just about disabled talent. That's about uh, diverse talent of all kinds, and you know. neurotypical I mean whoever Mm. I think you know we need to really think about what it is we're trying to achieve in terms of by this hire and what it is this person is able to deliver Um, what you mentioned about that um, that organization um, saying that people could apply any way they liked um, that really plays into people's strengths doesn't it people being able to showcase their strengths I, I think so. I think so. And I think, look, you, you know, like I mentioned, it, it's very hard to do on a, on a, on a big scale. But, mm. you know, there is adjustments for disabled, you know, disabled people in the interview process. And if you say if you, if you have a disability or you think you have a disability, um, because don't forget, a lot of people who are undiagnosed, you exactly. know, um, you know you're, you are able and welcome to apply in whatever way you like. There can be, for example, if it's a sort of online application, online test, if that's timed, increasing the time available to do that. You know, we've also got to think a little bit about, you know, we're in the modern world, digital world. What about digital exclusion? You know, how Mm. comfortable people are, you know, using online applications. They find that stressful or they feel like it doesn't get the best out of them. So actually really working 
about how that interface is designed. Is that designed so people, um, disabled people, can access that access that easily? And that's a you know a wide wide range of people. So mm. I, I think there's a lot of things that need to be considered. I, I think we need to really go back to the beginning when we're looking to acquire talent and say what is it we're trying? What is it we're trying to achieve? Where are we now? What are, where are we trying to get to? And how are we going to do that in the fairest way possible? So how do you think, Adam, that um, employers can go about being more mindful of the implicit and explicit messages that they're actually sending out to potential disabled applicants? Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, communication is absolutely key. How you engage with that audience, how you, how you develop your inclusive employer brand, if you like, how you build that, that recognition is really important. Language, communication. Um, ease of use of your career site um, is there a telephone number that somebody can call or an email that's not just sent into a system you know I think there's a lot of different um, different things to consider uh, but you know there is help out there as well I think that's really really important to say there is a lot of help out there there's a lot of organizations not for profit and charities but you know commercial organizations as well that are mm-hmm. looking to help organisations to access disabled talent and actually leaning on those resources. You know, I mentioned the disability confidence scheme. I think that's a brilliant yeah. starting place, you know, um, really, really good place to start to look. There's disability-specific um, job boards like Evenbreak, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, at, you know, organisations that really, really actively seek disabled talent, you know, they, they are out there. Um, uh, and, and so organizations can learn from other organizations. You know, I think steal with glee. If there's an idea that, that you think is 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 uh, powerful and useful, and, you know, I'd be delighted if people were borrowing sort of methods and techniques that we and our clients use. I think I'd, that, that's nothing but, but brilliant news. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, mm. And I think that organizations need to understand that, that the likelihood is 20% of their workforce, or maybe less because people are discriminated against, but... Certainly a percentage of their workforce have some form of disability. There's a lot of knowledge there in that 20% of your workforce. You know, in, we, we encourage organisations to form uh, across all forms of diversity, but employee resource groups where mm. you either, let's say you, you have a disability resource group, but actually within that you have disabled work staff, but you also have allies, people who are passionate about it. You know, that is a fantastic resource, knowledge base that you've got already. Tap into that knowledge. Ask, how would you reach disabled talent? Now, if you were me, how would you do it? If you have a disability, what would, what, what would it work for you? What can we learn? So, you know, tapping into the stuff that we've got at our fingertips. Yeah. So these internal networks could really help create much more inclusive climates in a workplace. I think they're absolutely critical. Now, I think, you know, you need to be of a certain scale and size to, to make mm-hmm. work because, you know, just by numbers, you need to have a, an engaged group. And you also have, need to have a really engaged leadership as well. I think, you know, th- these initiatives, in fact, I don't like the word initiative, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it has to come from the top. There needs to be a senior stakeholder, a sponsor, if you like, saying this is a business priority for us, you know, and I am listening, mm. you know, my ears are open, help you know, it, it, it help us to be better. Uh, you know, no one's perfect at this, and I don't think we'll ever be perfect. But 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 actually, we want to be better. 
we're not great. We want to get better. What are the steps that we can take? And I think there's a danger sometimes that organizations do sometimes try and do too much at too soon around mm. disability and diversity in general. But when, you know, yeah. every little step makes a difference. I think lots of employers are at different stages of their disability journey. And it's just about being open and and being open to collaborate and share best practice and, and information with other um, organisations that are out there to help you, as you yes, said, Adam. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. You know, the, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, there's always more you can do. And actually, even if it's you, you haven't got something in place now, there's nothing stopping you doing that. And actually, I would encourage that. You know, there's a there's a there's a performance opportunity, but there's also a huge reputational risk element as well mm. you know? so you know organizations really need to, to lead the way that we have a, companies have a very large impact on society i think we really need to embrace that and say right what can we do it doesn't matter where we are what can we do to be better from today so adam what are you and the inventing group excited about right now uh, a couple of, yeah a lot of, i think look this is the best time to be having this conversation I think organisations now are more aware about uh, disability in the workplace than they've ever been. And that conversation is only going to get louder and stronger. I think that's really exciting. There is support from from central government as well. I think um, the information out there is you know, growing. The evidence is growing that disabled talent make fantastic, you know, you know, make fantastic employees or employers. Um, CIPD, which is the Chartered Institute of Professional Development, um, did a study a while back now, and they, um, they, their findings were that disabled talent within an organisation was the most innovative of all the different employee groups they assessed. Now, we're in the age of, you know, we're in a digital revolution, you know, we're in the fourth industrial revolution right now, and we will be for some time. And innovation is one of the key drivers of organizational success. So all companies today are about six times more likely to go out of business than they were, maybe now even more than that, than they were just Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 years ago. So the challenges in organizations now are greater than they've ever been. Innovation is absolutely critical Mm -hmm. to stay innovative. You know, there's disruptive technology um, coming thick and fast, you know, constantly. And if you want to build an, an organization that, that holds innovation at its heart, then actually hiring the group of people who are most innovative makes like seems like common sense to me. Uh, um, so I'm excited by that. I'm excited by the fact, you know, we, we have a number of different businesses. And, I, and, and, I, and I, I, I'm not ashamed to call it a business because I think, you know, we need to be commercial. We need to, to, to be successful to carry on our message. That's really important. Um, and I have a number of businesses, either from a recruitment perspective or a consultancy perspective, and we've just launched a, um, a user experience research consultancy, which is helping organizations bridge the gap between you know, how they uh, put their, their products and services online and making sure that's accessible for everybody. So I'm really excited by the future. I think, I think as companies become more and more aware of the incredible talents of the disabled community in general, though that, that that opportunity will overcome fear, you know. And what we're in, the, we're in the middle, banging the drum, saying this is important, and actually you need to do this because it's commercial sense. 
It's not about morals and ethics. You know, that's really important. You know, I would only work with a company that did have moral, did have a moral and ethical you know, compass, but, but at the same token, yeah. if, you know, the bottom line is, you know, if, if, it's, if it's successful and it makes you more, you know, commercially successful, then you're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely agree um, about um, you know disabled people people being so innovative. Um, one of the hashtags that we're going to be using for our ability program is hashtag I am a problem solver because pe- people are so innovative. Um, Adam, if you could describe yourself in one word, what would that be? I saw this. Well, yeah, I. It's a difficult question to answer um, because it really depends on what day. You ask, uh, you ask me. I guess I, 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 an advocate. I don't want to call myself an expert in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm an advocate. I'm a believer, you know, and and I'm and I'm I'm trying to make a difference. And that for me gives real purpose in my life. You know, from a, from a very personal perspective, that gives purpose. I understand the challenges that disabled people are mm-hmm. facing. Um, I, I have been diagnosed with my own uh, neurodiversity quite late in life, actually, in my early 40s. Um, and actually, I, after I got involved in this, you know, I've been doing this work for a long time. And actually, for me, it was a real light bulb moment. I was, you know, I can imagine finding out that news 10, 15, 20 years ago would have been very scary. But actually, I found it so advocate, um, uh, and I'm just generally interested in this. You know, I think you've got to have a bit of curiosity. Curious. There you go. There's a word. Yeah, <laughs> curious. It took me a long time to get there, but curious. <laughs> so if you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? It's a really good question, actually. And I think, you know, we've covered a lot of uh, important points. Um, oh, oh, I just want companies to stand up and say, count me in. I'm going to make a commitment. You know, one of the things that companies can do, maybe, and you did ask this question, but maybe I didn't answer it properly, is make a commitment to hire, you know, no matter what your size, hire disabled talent this year. Whenever you're next hiring, make the decision to hire. And you can do that, as I said, under the Equalities Act. There's a legal, you are legally entitled to take a disabled person over a non-disabled person because of their disability. Now that, you cannot do that with any other characteristic. And while we have that um, legislation, I think organisations need to make the most of it. So one of the things that organisations can do is to make a commitment to hire a disabled member of staff this year. Their next hire, you can ring fence that role and say, I am only going to hire a disabled person for this role. Um, because I'm because I need to address the balance. Yeah, I need to do something. That is a brilliant, brilliant thing you can do. You're perfectly entitled to do it, and it makes a difference. You know, we changed it. That sounds again very sort of dramatic, but we change the world one person and one company at a time. Yeah. And, and that person can have so much influence on others. And that's a fantastic answer and a lovely way to end uh, to end our, our podcast. Thank you so much, Adam, for sharing your energy, your passion and, and your knowledge um, with us today. And um, I hope that um, our listeners have found 
um, what you've said to be inspiring. I'm sure that they have. So thank you so much, Adam, for being my, our, my guest my, today. My pleasure. Thank you so much.